residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. Hello, all you fanables out there, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. Okay, so we're getting to the midway point of of season of season two, and things are really beginning to really like ramp up um, at this point of the uh, of the season. You look back at the first two or three episodes of, of this season, and they were really great episodes. But now you can tell that there was a lot of setup involved. Okay, so um, now moving on a little bit, I, I first want to make an announcement. Um, so this week I will not be doing the final word segment, which I really enjoy doing, uh, but time constraints this week are leading me to make the decision to give it an off week. Now, that being said, uh, if you want to respond to any of my past uh, Final Word segments, any of my thoughts and opinions, well, at all, uh, throughout any episode that I do, but when it comes to the Final Word segment, you don't have to re- respond just to last week's episode. So if you're just catching up, uh, in the podcast, um, and there's something that I was talking about in, say, the first two or three episodes uh, that I've done, and you have a thought or an opinion about it, let me know. Uh, I really would like to know, so don't feel confined to um, sending feedback in only from last week's, you know, episode. Uh, so yeah, this week's been kind of crazy. It, it hasn't, um, given me the opportunity to get the jump start on the podcast that I've been able to get the last couple of weeks. So, um, I'm actually starting to do this, uh, a lot later than I usually do. So I might not get this out as quickly as I want to, the podcast, it may not be till um, early Tuesday, possibly even a little later than that. And I know I really, I really don't want to do that. I, I, lo- I want to get it out by um, by Monday night, if possible, just because it gives you a chance to, um, you know, listen to it over the next few days. You might have might not have a chance to listen to it uh, right away. But I don't want to. I don't want to cut it so close that you've only got you know a sh- very short period of time to listen to this podcast before we get into the next episode. I want this to uh, come along quickly enough that it actually is meaningful for you, the listener. Um, you know, whether it comes from ideas that I'm putting out in, into the podcast, or if it's coming from you know from feedback from people uh, that. That listen, um, I just want to get this out there so that it has a um, a chance to be useful to listeners. So uh, usually I do a bit of a little bit more of a waffle uh, to open up the podcast, but this week um, I think I need to just kind of get moving and um, get right into the recap and review. And so the the quicker I can get this done. Uh, 
with you know the same kind of quality that I'm hoping that I bring to the podcast, but I, I do want to get moving so that um, I can get this podcast done and you can listen to it. So let's move right into the recap of uh, Season 2, Episode 5, and uh, we'll do that right now. You're listening to the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. Mukazuki opens with a scene that juxtaposes Hannibal and Will, much like the opening of Episode 3's Hasun. In that opening, we witnessed Hannibal and Will getting dressed. He was in one of his best suits, and Will looking professional in his courtroom attire. Here we see breakfast being made. We get our first food porn fix of the week, as Hannibal creates a delicious breakfast for Jack, while Will gets what appears to be cold eggs and slop. Not exactly the breakfast of champions. I noted that the bacon that Jack was eating could easily have been a, a side of human flesh. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's human bacon. Uh, but you know what? At least it looks appetizing. If nothing else, it looks appetizing. So Jack is still reeling from Bella's attempted suicide. It doesn't appear that he's slept at all, which is understandable considering what happened in the recent events of the night. He and Hannibal talk about it, and uh, Jack is thankful that Hannibal did what he did in saving Bella's life. And, of course, Hannibal takes the opportunity to chime in that he's probably a better friend than therapist. Of course, Hannibal takes his chance to ingratiate himself even further with Jack, thus building a a reservoir of goodwill for the future, which is chilling considering he just killed Beverly in probably the last, uh, I don't know, dozen hours, maybe 15 hours tops. So we move on to the observatory, which has been the scene of so many important crime scenes over the last 18 episodes. Freddie Lowndes is walking towards the building. You can see the apprehension on her face. She may be ice cold as a reporter, but the thoughts of the past, they read cleanly on her face. After she enters, we we see water and blood dripping and out-of-focus shots of something quite horrific. Of course, you know, Freddie begins to take pictures because she's ever the opportunist. In a way, it it astounds me that that Hannibal finds Freddie so rude. I mean, is she really more rude by how she goes about her job than how Hannibal goes about his secret life? Taking what he wants at the expense of the people around him without apology? I mean, at least, you know, Freddie does what she does and doesn't hide her warts. Which I think is, you know, it, on one hand it's it's disgusting, and on the other hand it's admirable. She is who she is. She makes no apologies for it, as you see later in the episode. And uh, she's kind of a take-it-or-leave-it gal. And um, as repulsive as she is, I have to say, uh, I kind of admire the ability to look at herself in the mirror and not be ashamed because 
no matter how bad Freddy is, there's someone in the mirror looking back at her that that is much darker, and that would be the reflection of Hannibal. So, of course, you know, she calls, and she reveals for the first time a, a shred of humanity as she tries to keep an arriving Jack from going into the observatory. She wants someone else to go in, in in his place because she says she's one of yours. Jack has been through the ringer in the last 24 hours, and you can see the weight of the pain he already knows he's going to experience when he walks through those doors. His shoulders sag as the weight of oncoming death begins to press on him. Inside we see Beverly sliced lengthwise into multiple sections with each section pressed between glass-like slides under a microscope. It's the kind of message that says, Hey FBI, you like dissecting crime scenes? Here is a dissection for you. Maybe it's the fact that we actually cared about Beverly, but this scene was horrific. We've seen more gruesome murder scenes on the show, but the particulars of this were cold, brutal, and contained more horror for me than any any scene so far in the series. Jimmy and Brian, who are the other part of the core team of uh, Team Jack, are seen crying as, as they're made aware of Beverly's death. Jack makes sure that her sacrifice will always be remembered at both the FBI headquarters as well as all the field offices, which I assume is quite an honor. Um, and I gotta say, before moving forward, there was a lot of um, the reactions scenes in, in the, the last you know, a few minutes of the episode were particularly moving because um, there was no dialogue, just some uh, either silence or light music is being played. You saw Jack break down when he saw what had become of, of Beverly. And, of course, you, you saw... Um, You saw the uh, the rest of the team also react in their own in their own ways, but all of it was in silence, which is how death usually is. You know, we don't get um, well, we don't get music for sure, but you know, I think in grief, it's more effective to show just the simple act of grieving as opposed to uh, you know dialogue or or adding too much to the scene. And and I think they did it perfectly in this episode. So, next we see Will taking the news delivered by Jack and Alana. There's no dialogue, again, here in, the, in this scene, because all we can hear is the sound of rushing water. Now, there's a connection between Will and water that I'm going to get to um, at the end of the recap. He wants to see the crime scene, so we see Will strapped and loaded. He comes out of the truck looking as much like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs as possible. Once in the observatory, Jack 
sends everyone out. He just yells and says, get out, you know, leave us alone. And uh, that's when Jack begins to uh, free Will from his restraints. He, he unstraps him, takes off all that heavy, um, you know, um, straight jacket and takes off the mask. And for the first time since Will was originally uh, arrested, he is technically, I guess, at least for a few minutes, a free man. So I'm going to let you listen to uh, this scene as Will figures out how Hannibal killed Beverly, and I'll discuss afterwards. He said you just interpret the evidence. So interpret the evidence. body, preserving shape and form so I can more cleanly dismantle her.
It's the Chesapeake Ripper. It's the Ripper. And the copycat. Same killer. Two masks. Beverly, help me see it. Help me see it. She was looking for a connection between the copycat and the Ripper. You think she found it? She found something. Where were you last night? In the hospital. With my wife. I told Beverly to go to you. Tell you everything she knew. Instead, she went looking for evidence. She met the Ripper last night, Jack. She, she will be um, missing organs. He had to take his trophies. Who is he, Will? Beverly made her a connection to the river. You have to make your own, Jack. Then what did I bring you here for? with Michael between episodes by going to the podcast Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Hungry for Hannibal or catch him on Twitter at Hungry for Hannibal. That's at Hungry, the number four, Hannibal. So I was, I was moved by how broken up Will was over Beverly's death. In a way, it really softens what Will attempts to do later in the episode. It's clear that he feels immense guilt over what happened. It's only in her death that Will truly realizes that he put Beverly in the crosshairs the moment he forced her to look at Hannibal in a different light. Seeing Beverly frozen and getting sawed into strips was chilling, pun intended. Um... As I said earlier, this crime scene has blown, at least for me, anything, everything away that has come before it, which is really saying something because, like I said, the, the uh, series has really had some truly unforgettable crime scenes that just make you hope that something like that never happens to you because it's just so terrible. But this really was, for me at least, the hardest. And yeah, don't get me wrong, it definitely has something to do with Beverly being the victim. Um, there's no doubt about that. But even if it wasn't her and it was just anybody, it would still, for me, be 
on a different level from what we've seen before. Um, our connection to Beverly only heightens what is the awful fate for her. And when Jack wants to know who the Ripper and the copycat killer are, you can see that Will wants to say to Hannibal, or Will wants to say it's Hannibal, but he knows he knows better. He knows not to say those those words. He's cryptic because there is no way he can again point the finger in Hannibal's direction after kind of laying off for a while without setting Jack off. He knows Jack is in uh, a terrible state right now, and um, putting gasoline on the on the fire is certainly not going to help anything. So next we move on to the scene with uh, Will and Chilton. They have a, a nice little chat with Will, again, stroking Chilton's ego and his desire to be famous by feeding him the idea that if he could visit with Abel Gideon and they were to both say the name of the Chesapeake, Rip Chesapeake Ripper and it happened to be that both those names were the same, Chilton would find that invaluable information. And, of course, this works because Chilton is not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. So next we move into uh, the FBI headquarters, and Jimmy and Brian are doing Beverly's autopsy. Jack comes in, and he offers them the chance to back away, noting that they are were friends of Beverly's and... Um, they didn't need to be doing this, but they've decided that they're going to do everything they can to uh, help. And that if it was them in Beverly's, one of them in Beverly's situation, she would do the same. She would uh, do everything she could to help catch the person responsible. So it's then that uh, they reveal that kidneys inside Beverly are not her own. So the killer ended up taking out her kidneys and put the kidneys of James Gray, the mural killers, in her instead. And it's, it's just one of those signs that they need to pick up on because if they look back at past victims, this is a common thing. And I'm assuming that at some point this detail will eventually come to bring Hannibal down. So then we uh, jump to Hannibal preparing the kidney. He slices off the excess and uh, grinds it up and makes himself a, a scrumptious meal. And now all of a sudden there's no evidence to be found. So Eddie Izzard makes his return as Dr. Abel Gideon who last we saw, was gunned down by Will as he was standing outside of Alana's home. Will discusses the Ripper with Abel, but it's apparent that uh, Gideon is not about to let the Ripper's identity slip out of his mouth for Chilton to hear. He does, however, tell Will that if he wants the Ripper, he's going to have to kill him. And it's one of these um, situations, after I watched that scene, I don't know whether Will 
was swayed. If he's in a particular a mental state uh, where he just he's under so much grief that even Gideon can um, manipulate him. So either Will falls for the manipulation or he doesn't fall for it and it was kind of his plan all along. So Freddie Lowndes comes to the Baltimore Hospital to visit Will. He was actually asked for her to visit. She photographs Hannibal as he's coming out of the hospital after his visit with Chilton, which did not go well. He again remarks that she's being rude, and I thought that it's kind of like a three-strikes-you're-out deal between Hannibal and Freddie, except Freddie doesn't realize it. You know, in baseball, there's three strikes, and I have a feeling that we've seen strike one and strike two, and that strike three is going to be the end of Freddie Lowndes. I can only imagine that, that Hannibal is going to be willing to put up with this kind of rudeness uh, for so long before he's simply going to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And and look, I, I look, I know, you know, how Freddie Lowndes is supposed to go out and all, but but this show has made some changes, so I won't be totally surprised if um, Freddie Lowndes happens to die an earlier death than than we thought. But if she doesn't die, it's it's I'm actually gonna be a little surprised, to be honest, because she um it feels like she's just playing with death right now, and I can't imagine that the odds um are in her favor. Okay, so in exchange for his life story, Freddie agrees to send a message through the website to his so-called admirer who worked so hard to help him during the trial by killing the judge and the bailiff. It works, and the killer turns out to be an orderly that works at the hospital. It appears that he was once a patient, though I doubt that he was a patient in this hospital. Somehow he has managed to get himself a job there. He admires Will's work and killed the bailiff in order to help secure Will's freedom, but he admits that the judge was not his work. He takes Will back to his cell. There, Will asks uh, for a favor, and the favor is to kill Hannibal Lecter. Alana visits Will upon learning that he met with Freddie Lowndes. It appears that at this point that Will is willing to consort with the people he despises most as long as it gets the results that he's looking for. Alana is concerned by this information, and you can understand why. Will's morals uh, and ethical judgments, which always seem to be so high, are now becoming more compromised by the day as he sits in jail. As Alana is leaving, she notices that Abel Gideon is back and requests an interview. They discuss his failed attempt at killing her before Gideon uh, slightly implies that Will is up to... I'm sorry, let me say that again. They discuss his failed attempt at killing her before Gideon slightly implies what Will is up to since he, he is the one that overheard Will request Hannibal's murder in the cell next door to Will's. 
We move on to an indoor pool scene where Hannibal is swimming laps. Will's admirer, Matthew Brown, which is his name, I didn't mention that uh, a minute or two ago. Uh, Will's admirer, Matthew Brown, joins, joins him. They both swim a lap before Hannibal is knocked out with a trank gun. We see Hannibal struggle before sinking slowly to the bottom of the pole. So Jack and Alana uh, check for Hannibal in his office, but he's not there. However, the FBI has traced his cell. Back at the pole, we have this scene between Hannibal and his would-be killer. Go ahead and listen to this, and I'll give you my thoughts after. Judas had the decency to hang himself in shame at his betrayal. But I thought you needed help. Did you know that the phrase to kick the bucket came from exactly this situation? You could kick it out right now yourself and it would all be over. Quicker than bleeding out. You were nurse at the hospital. You're setting a new standard of care. Graham is not what you think. He's not a murderer. He is now. By proxy. Mm -hmm. He asked you to do this? What are friends for? Now I'm going to ask you a few yes or no questions while you still have enough blood coursing through your brain to answer them. You ready? Did you kill that judge? I can ask you yes or no questions. You don't have to say a word. And I'll know what the answer is. The pupil dilates with specific mental efforts. You dilate, that's a yes. No dilation equals no. Are you the Chesapeake River? How many times have you watched someone cling on to a life that's not really worth living, eking out a few extra seconds, wondering why they bother? I know why. Life is precious. You know, the Iroquois used to eat their enemies to take their strength. Maybe your murders will become my murders. I'll be the Chesapeake Ripper now. Put your hands where I can see them. Scarlet Gun! Yeah! 
This scene shows that, despite how good of a killer Hannibal is, there are younger versions of himself out there. Had Jack and Alana failed to show up for even five minutes, Hannibal would be dead and the show would be over. Now, I knew that Hannibal wasn't going to die, it's obvious. But to see him in that state was shocking, actually. It's the first time that we've seen Hannibal at the mercy at the mercy of somebody else. His vulnerability is, is shocking since we always see him as the great uh, Lion King stalking his prey. I love the crucifixion style setup with the kick the bucket way of killing Hannibal, and we see Matthew get the upper hand by asking Hannibal a series of questions and waiting for pupil dilation to uh, give him the answer yes or no since it's uh, an involuntary response. This episode ends with Will staring at his sink as it fills with blood and begins to spill over. I found the water symbolism, which is connected with Will, and has been for some time to be really interesting. Many times throughout the episode, we see or hear running water. Now, in past episodes, the fishing in his mind was in a calmly flowing stream, but when he's told of Beverly's death, it becomes a raging river. It's a signifier of his mood, uh, or at least his ability to control the anger inside. And you can tell that with the raging river, um, he can't do that, at least not right now. We also see water mixing with blood, which I took to mean that Will is beginning to taint his purity with Attempted murder, or at least his um, his part in the past deaths of those around him. Now, maybe no water symbolism moment was more striking than while well, uh, Will was waiting to find out if Hannibal died with the sink in his cell overflowing with blood. I've mentioned a couple of times that I wondered to what lengths Will would go to. What would he put his soul through in order to get revenge and free himself? And in this episode, I got an almost Walter White Breaking Bad moment from Will. And it's the moment that he starts to dip his toe um, into the icy waters of murder and revenge, and even if it's just murder by proxy. So yeah, this episode was um, very emotionally powerful. A lot like la like last week's episode with Jack's wife. The episodes really hit you. And I think they hit you in a, in a deeper level because either with last, like with last week's episode, we saw the stakes involved in in Jack's wife's uh, staying um, alive as opposed to letting herself um, die a much more peaceful death. And in this episode, we see the effects of, of Beverly figuring out who the Chesapeake Ripper was. And more importantly, we get to see um, the emotional trauma that is being suffered by her friends and colleagues, which I, I it appears to be numerous uh, friends and colleagues 
they must have really liked her. I'm thinking, you know, as this season was rolling along, that things are only getting better and better, which I know is kind of hard to believe because it seems like every week they're topping themselves. Every week it just seems like the show is getting better and better. Um, it knows what it wants to do, and it's doing that. And it's doing it methodically and with, uh, I feel like, at this moment at least, precision. Uh, they know what they want to do. The writers know what they want to say. And Brian Fuller is the helm, and he's creating unbelievable television right now. Okay, so um, that's my recap for the week and my review. It was a fantastic episode. Um, Rating-wise, I would have to give this one... uh, Honestly, I would give this a 10 out of 10. It's a fantastic episode, and it continues what I think is a hot streak. And as a side note, um, I'm going to start mentioning, I think, the ratings for the episodes because I know with Hannibal not being nearly as high rated as a lot of people think it should be, I feel like it would be a good idea for us on the podcast to keep up to date with how the ratings seem to be going. Now, as an upside, we've seen the ratings go up every week for the last three weeks. And that's actually culminated in this episode, where it managed to pick up 3.64 million uh, viewers, which is, I believe, second only to the the uh, season premiere. So that's fantastic. And, and if they can keep doing this, and just the trajectory ratings-wise continues to go up, it doesn't have to go up by a whole lot. just has to show some progress. I think we'll be fine in terms of, uh, you know, the show coming back. Like I said before, though, it's not just as easy as just wanting to cancel the show. There's international financing. So there are things uh, in place that would just keep it from being a simple um, cancel. And like I said before, I think that if it were to happen, there are other places the show would go to. There's just too much quality on this show for it to die. And... um, I think that, you know, we'll be fine. Okay, so um, that's the recap and review for the week. And now we're going to move right into the feedback. Looking to contribute to the podcast? Send an MP3 file or email to hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. Okay, so... uh, for the feedback section of the podcast uh, this week, we have a few emails and we have a voicemail. So I think we'll start out with a voicemail this week, and it is coming from Sandra Peiser in Germany. And uh, I'll let you listen to it, and then I'll comment once it's done. Hello, Michael. This time I thought I'd try a voicemail. So I'm sitting outside. It's really nice and warm in the 60s. No snow to be seen. I think we had about three snow days all together this winter. So you guys keep the snow and I'll keep the nice sunny weather here. All right, on to Hannibal. Wow, that was a visually very extreme episode. 
Of course, Beverly Katz, she's dead. And only her kidneys were made into a meal. I was expecting a bit more of her to be eaten, but okay. <laughs> Fair enough. The way she was displayed reminded me a lot of the work of Gunther von Hagen's Body Worlds. You can check that on Facebook and just put it in on Google search and you'll find a lot of visuals. Um, how could you describe it? Art made of, of uh, bodies. Um, that's quite similar to some of the, the kill scenes we had um, on the show. So I think Brian Fuller is copying Gunther von Hagen sometimes. But fair enough, it was great visually. And now she's gone. Of course, Will knows who did it and what happened, but he cannot tell anybody because they wouldn't believe him if he just said it so. He's setting them on on the track of Hannibal. Um, he tells Jack, you have to figure it out yourself. Because Ina knows that he is uh, really uh, owing a debt to, to Hannibal because he saved his wife's life. The only thing that kind of bothered me was that the clerk... Uh, as we now find out, was not killed by Hannibal, but really by another copy uh, cat killer. And that was too convenient, and that he was working in the institution where Will is imprisoned. That is just a bit too convenient, but I can forgive it overall. They, it, it made for some, some nice uh, scenes there, especially when um, Hannibal is swimming and the copycat killer dives into the water and swims along with him and you see two predators just swimming and you, you see how strong they are and you see also see that the younger predator uh, he's faster <laughs> he's better and he, he really uh, manages to catch Hannibal, something I really didn't expect. I was thinking that Will, Will is setting him up to go after Hannibal, but Hannibal will outsmart him in the end. And as we find out, Hannibal was just pure lucky that he escaped with his life there. He would have gotten the better of him uh, if it hadn't been for Jack. Yeah, good episode. Um... I'm excited for next week and yeah, I hope you are too. And maybe Jeannie will um put in a voicemail as well. I think you can you can do it. So thanks for the nice uh, words. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Okay, so uh thanks Sandra for the voicemail. And you bring up some really good points. Uh I think that Hannibal took Beverly's kidneys uh, because he wanted the presentation to be as effective as possible and as shocking towards Jack and, and all of the colleagues and, and everybody at the FBI, really. If he took a bunch of different organs 
it would be apparent that there was a bunch missing. And I just think that it might have taken some of the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess some some of the focus away from the crime scene itself. And I don't think that Hannibal needed to take a bunch of, of things, a bunch of trophies. Uh, I think just the kidneys was good enough for him. And I think also it was smart because he had a, uh, a pair of kidneys that he could just stick into Beverly. So I think it, it was effective and I think good enough for him. I saw the uh, Gunter Wikipedia profile, and I agree, it, it's disturbing, uh, yet mesmerizing at the same time. And I'm sure it proved to be a valuable uh, bit of reference material for Brian and Fuller and his team of writers when they were trying to figure out a way to uh, present Beverly in such a shocking and disturbing way. Uh, yes, Will couldn't say anything because it it's appeared like he's turned over a new leaf in regards to Hannibal. You know, he hasn't said anything um, bad about Hannibal towards uh, Alana, Jack, uh, most, most anybody that was unwilling to listen in the first place. He's, um, he's, his attitude seems to be changed, and so to suddenly turn and go right back to the way he was yelling that Hannibal was the killer, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think it would undo a lot of what he, what goodwill he seems to have gained with Alana and Jack and some of the other people. Well, I mean, if they find out or figure out that Will has done this, which, you know, uh, Lana certainly has, it, it, I guess it, in the end it's not going to matter. But yeah, the orderly working at the hospital, it seemed too convenient as well. I think that they actually put themselves in a bit of a corner with regards to uh, this plot point. Uh, I, I I don't know exactly how or why, but I think they kind of got themselves in a corner, and this was probably the maybe the best or e least easiest way for them to resolve this issue. There were there could have been a dozen different other different ways that they they could have taken it and and found another way to introduce the killer, but it made it easier because the orderly's there. They can have scenes with him and Will at the you know the prison. I think maybe if they did it in a different way, it would have required more filming. Uh, maybe they just couldn't fit a more exotic way of bringing this killer into uh, Will's life. And so they resolved to just have him work there. It's a rarity on the show, though, for them to take the easy way out. Usually, they make sure to really come in a different angle when it comes to the plot points. Um, 
in the ramifications of whatever's going on in the show. They really seem to to make sure that there are uh, they're a little deeper than what you'll find on most shows. And uh, yeah, so with regards to the killer, he is definitely I think a younger, stronger version of of Hannibal. I mean, Hannibal is in good shape, as you as you saw late in the episode when he was uh, strung up. Well, not strung up, but on the on the bucket in the crucifix uh, position. So, to me, you could say that Matthew was maybe Hannibal twenty years ago, when Hannibal was maybe at his absolute physical peak. So yeah, you know he was lap, you know, lapping Hannibal pretty much. He's a younger, stronger version. But even though Hannibal was caught, and yes, he got free, mostly by a stroke of luck, by having Alana and uh, Jack show up. I think if the two were going at one another with Hannibal aware that that this guy was tracking him down, I think Hannibal's experience and intelligence would win out in the end over the brute strength and you know the youth of the killer uh that almost killed him and uh in regards to the encouragement towards genie uh yeah that's it's great and i'm glad there are people out there that are encouraging um Others that listen to this podcast to send in voicemails and send in feedback, but I don't want I don't want anybody to feel like they have to send in a, a voicemail. Um, so Jeannie, if you want to send in a voicemail, feel free. Um, I, I would be grateful, of course. But emails are great too, and I'm fine with reading, you know, emails or you know, putting voicemails in. I'll take back, or I'll take feedback uh, in either format, and I'll be grateful for it. But yes, it is nice that um, there is encouragement out there for people to, uh, you know, give a little nudge, you know, send in some some voicemails, and and uh, all feedback's welcome. So, thanks, Sandra. It was a, a great voicemail and some really great points there. Okay, so we're going to move on to the emails, and and I'm going to start out with Sarah in British Columbia. And her email starts out with, Hello, Michael. And she continues, To start, I have to say, it was such a gut punch to Jack for for Beverly to be placed there, where he found Miriam Lass's arm, and you really feel for the guy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Bev was sliced into six pieces, which each was each slice for each bullet she shot at Hannibal. That's what I took from it. Also, despite all Hannibal's murders, this was the first time I was disgusted. And it wasn't that he sliced her up. We know Hannibal is all about the statement. The fact that Hannibal tipped off Lowndes to get pictures of Beverly, that was upsetting. I wonder if he did that as punishment to Will, to hurt him 
even more for sending her after him. By the end of the episode, Hannibal has to be getting really mad. He sent a powerful message to Will that his actions have detrimental consequences, and Will counters by catching Hannibal off guard by sending a psychopath to kill him. That brings me to wonder how else Hannibal could hurt Will, and the only thing Will has left to, left to love is Alana Bloom. That leaves a huge door open for Hannibal. He could truly break Will if Hannibal decided to court Alana. I could see that absolutely wrecking Will, knowing that any moment Hannibal chose, he could kill Alana. Just a last note. On when Hannibal was strung up, that scene was intense and made the viewer uneasy because for the first time we see Hannibal without control. He's weakened and vulnerable. It almost makes the viewer feel panicked. It's this rare glimpse of Hannibal we may never be shown again. It was brilliantly done. Loved it. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Thanks for the podcasting. Can't wait to hear what you think. Laters. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, great email there. And, you know, I agree. It probably was a, a pretty brutal gut punch for Jack. And, and probably a gut punch... Uh, for Freddie as well. I mean, you could see the apprehension on her face when she was walking towards the observatory. Uh, that that couldn't have been easy for her either. I mean, the memories of uh, being in there with Abel Gideon as as he was uh, slicing open Chilton. I don't care how cold she of a person she is. That was probably scary. But yes, it is a gut punch for Jack, and it's been a place that we've been to a few times now the fact that she was in there the crime scene was set up there is just a another slap in the face to jack from hannibal so uh six slices one for each bullet you know it could be uh it could be important it might it might be it it might have a purpose um in how Hannibal decided how many times to slice her up. And it it could have been. I didn't I didn't think about that, but it's it's a really interesting point and uh I wouldn't be surprised if if that was something that Brian Fuller decided to do. Uh without uh, without actually coming out and saying it, without having a character say, Hey, I think we recovered six bullets. Oh well, wait. No, I guess not. <laughs> what am I thinking? Uh, yeah, how would they recover six bullets when they, uh, they're they not going to go to Hannibal's house and find them? Yeah, so anyway, sorry for that uh, complete and utter thought that came out of nowhere that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's, a, it's an interesting point. So, um, yeah, this was, this was a disgusting set up with Beverly. I, like I said before, I was horrified and probably more so than any crime scene that I have seen on this show so far. And like I said earlier, that's really saying something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think Hannibal is 
probably really, really mad. But you're right, he, he was caught off guard completely. I don't think he felt that Will had it in him to send somebody after him. It It's like a chess move that you just... It just comes out of nowhere for what you feel is an inferior opponent. Suddenly comes out of, you know, out of nowhere and just has this chess move that completely blindsides you, and that's that's what happened to to Hannibal. I mean, I don't know that that will happen again. I think he knows that Will is capable of a lot now, even behind bars, and he's gonna take precautions. I think. And yes, Alana, Alana is the one piece in Will's life that he has left to hold on to. And if if she was killed, or if if yes, Hannibal were to court Alana, that would that would probably it would send Will up a wall. I I can't imagine the the dreams he would have with his imagination. Yeah. Not not good dreams, nightmares, uh, really. Um, yeah, the the scene with Hannibal strung up, it was extremely intense. You know, we knew that Hannibal wasn't gonna die. I mean, his his name's in the title. We know there's too much story ahead, but the fact that he came oh so close to death, that it was just the luck of Jack and Alana showing up. Basically, in the nick of time, it's really the only reason he survived. And do you think that uh, Hannibal is going to really thank Jack? Really be grateful? Probably not. He's He seems to have had it in for Jack since the pilot. You know, just because Jack saved his life, I, I don't think that's going to make one iota of difference to Hannibal. So, yeah. Um, thanks, Sarah. Uh, for that great email, and uh, I certainly can't wait for additional feedback uh, for the next episode if you wish to send it in. Okay, so on to our next email, and it comes from Jeannie. And she says, Hi Mike, here's my feedback. Never mind anything else that took place in this episode. How about Mads Mikkelsen's killer body covered by nothing but a swimsuit. Well, before I go any further, uh, I think there are probably quite a few people out there um, like you who, you know, maybe paused the episode um, for a minute or two. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm sure you're not the only one who's very grateful for uh, the last what, five minutes of uh, of the episode. <laughs> kidding aside, she goes on, kidding aside, uh, Mukazuki is my absolute favorite episode. But then again, I said the same thing about last week's episode. Hannibal is getting better and better each week. I am having a hard time finding words in my vocabulary to describe my feelings about this week's episode. It is freaking intense. It satisfies my senses and cures my craving cravings for a great Friday night escape. There are so many things to talk about in this episode. I feel like I went on an emotional roller coaster ride watching the show. 
I love the opening scene where Dr. Lecter prepared a sophisticated breakfast with a beautiful classical piano piece in the background. I was thinking that a Hannibal cookbook would be a great idea, but then I realized that some of the ingredients might be hard to find. So I left. Next, I found out the faith of the fate. I think you said faith. I think, it's, I think you meant fate. Uh, next, I found out the fate of my beloved Beverly Cats. For the first time, I was glad there is a commercial. I could not breathe. I knew she was going to die, but the way she was dissected, like New York-style thin-crust pizza slices, got me good. So I mourned, and I cried. No one was around to uh, forewarn me of the next scene where Bev's kidney is being squeezed out of a sausage machine. So I got sick. Did you notice Lecter's smug face while eating Beverly's kidney puree? It was pure disgusting, so I got angry. Awesome sound effect in this episode. I tried to figure out what instrument was used. For all I know, it could have come from banging a drumstick against a Home Depot bucket. So I went back to laughing. Great acting by Jonathan Tucker in the final scene as the Chesapeake Ripper wannabe. I must say Lecter being crucified wearing a swim trunk with the killer abs isn't all bad to, all bad all at all bad to look at. So I blushed. Here I go again. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> I have a suggestion for the podcast. It's kind of like Deborah Morgan's Curse of the Week. We should have a quote of the week. Dr. Gideon has the best. Esteem in psychiatric circle sticks to you like soap to a baby's eye. That is a good one. Also, after watching the episode for the second time, I thought, the FBI was able to find Lecter at the pool by tracing his cell phone. Had they done the same for Beverly, they would have discovered that Beverly's, that Beverly's last stop was Lecter's house. Maybe that will play out in the next episode. Lastly, watching next week's trailer is so not a good thing. I had to pick up my heart from the floor. And, well, Jeannie, I would keep going with your last line here, but I don't want to um, ruin it for anybody out there who is opposed to knowing absolutely anything about next week's episode. And I know there's a fair uh, few people out there um, who don't want to know anything about next week. And from years uh, listening to Gareth's uh, Dissecting Dexter podcast, yeah, it's um, it's something that, you know, I'm going to try to avoid as well. But, um, yes, I I had to pick up my heart from the floor as well. So I definitely agree with you there. And uh, she goes on to say, always love your podcast, Jeannie. Uh, thanks, Jeannie. It's a, a great email. And I, I especially liked your constantly changing emotions as you went through the episode. Like you said, it was a roller coaster ride. You know, you went from laughing to crying to mourning to being angry back to laughing. And uh, I, I think that's a, a process that we all go through from episode to episode. One of the best things about Hannibal in each episode of Hannibal is that there's a mixture of everything. There's a mixture of uh, the morbid and the disgusting and the darkly funny 
sometimes the, the flat out hilarious, like with last week's episode when we learned about uh, bee ejaculation and, and that humans can hear it. Uh, not necessarily saying that I needed to know that information, or that I really, really wanted to know that information, but it was really funny. So, yeah, they do a great job of uh, mixing in the tones um, and the emotions throughout each episode. Not every show can do that and do that as successfully as Hannibal does. There's rarely a misstep, I think, when it comes to almost like the chemistry of how they mix in, you know, two scoops of disgusting, one scoop of funny, you know, it's like this perfect combination of, uh, like, I guess, you know, chemicals. It's like a, it's like a perfect combination of chemicals that, uh, when mixed together, creates um, Hannibal, creates each episode of Hannibal, and it just seems they strike the perfect note all the time when it comes to uh, that aspect of the show. So yeah, um, you can get your email a little closer. Uh, yeah, the the breakfast in the beginning was uh, a great um, difference there between the two, and we saw that we saw that last week as I mentioned earlier with Will and Hannibal, you know, dressing, and even though both wore suits, the situation in which they were getting dressed and where they were at was completely different. And this week it it continues to illustrate that difference. And to see, you know, Hannibal whip up uh, a beautiful breakfast and, and will get slop. Um, they couldn't be further apart in where they're at in their lives. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've mentioned quite a few times so far my, my thoughts on Beverly and and how um, it was difficult to see her in the state that she was in. And yes, Lecter was smug while eating her uh, kidney puree. Um, that little smirk on his face, it just it makes you, <laughs> you, you love him, but you really hate him, you know? And, and that's just part of the appeal of the show, is that in a way like Dexter... You you hate Hannibal, but you love him at the same time, and not in the same way because Dexter Morgan was the main character, um, and it, he was a different kind of killer, savage yet. There's also a strong human element um, behind that darkness. And with Hannibal, you don't get that. Not 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 really. There's always a, a, a deception. There's always a aspect of manipulation in every sentence that comes out of his mouth. So you can't believe very often anything he says, or you can't take it at face value. But uh, yeah, uh. Yeah, quote of the week. Yeah, I will take that into consideration. It's a great idea, and we just may end up uh, doing that. So that's a, a great idea, and thanks for that. Yeah, I uh, I thought about the cell phone thing myself, not 
necessarily Beverly, but just how easy it was that they were able to track down Lecter's cell phone. And um, if that might be a tactic they employ down the line again with results that will help bring maybe bring Lecter down, possibly. I, I don't know. They did it once here. Maybe they'll do it down the road again. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's something that they may use to uh, track down Beverly's whereabouts in the last hours that she was alive. It would be smart. And I'm hoping that the writers don't simply discount that. Uh, if they do, uh, I'll be a little disappointed because I, I agree. I think that it's a route that the show would take if it wants to continue being intelligent and in that it doesn't just brush aside this stuff um, that we look at and go, okay, so why don't they just you know track the cell? Um, so hopefully they do go that route. And, uh, okay, so that's, uh, that's my feedback for your email, and thank you very much for it. And I, I continue to hope that you uh, send in any feedback, regardless of whether it's an email or it's a voicemail, and I appreciate it very much. Okay, so last but not least is uh, an email from Gareth Watkins from Dissecting Dexter. I uh, made a mistake last week. I had finished up the podcast, um, finished up the feedback. Uh, I had, you know, adjusted all the levels and pretty much did all of the work after I assembled everything. I exported the file and had it loaded up on the website and had sent out a message to everyone letting them know that the, the newest uh, episode was online. And then when as I was as I was closing the windows, I noticed that I forgot to, you know, read Gareth's email and I felt awful about it. And I, I know it happens from time to time. It's just one of those things. But I still felt really awful. And uh you know, Gareth is kind enough to let me know that, you know, it's happened to him in the past and you know it's okay. So Again, I apologize, Gareth, for it, um, but I'll read it here, and I'll uh, try to make sure in the future that I read every email that's sent in to me uh, for that current podcast episode. Okay, so let's jump into the email. So, Gareth writes, Hi, Mike. Quite a significant turn of events this week, or maybe not. Someone finds out Hannibal's a killer but it's not looking too good for their survival. I did like the tension in that final sequence, although it was only a matter of time before Hannibal appeared behind Beverly. The gunshots through the floor suggested she was firing blind, so I suspect she'll be uh, chopped suey before too long. It was pretty well tele telegraphed early on in the episode when she was recklessly showing her hand to Hannibal who we knew to be far too clever to be duped like that. I like Will's change of strategy last week when it seemed he was embracing the phrase keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer. 
But then this week, it looks like he's dropped that as he's opted for exclusive treatment from Dr. Chilton. Is he trying to provoke Hannibal somehow? Make him jealous, maybe? Create some tension for him to maybe make a mistake. Another story th- uh, thread I appreciated this week was Crawford and his wife. Their scenes together exude a certain closeness that is enhanced by the actor's real-life relationship. I can understand Bella wanting to spare Jack the pain, overdosing herself on morphine and going to Hannibal. His reaction was curious regarding her as he as she slipped into unconsciousness. I wonder if he was considering her relationship to Jack, envying it perhaps. Then he made the decision to bring her back and gave her that injection. She was obviously devastated by his actions. Deciding to end her life like that can't have been easy, and he took he took it upon himself to bring her back and nullify all that anguish, heartache, and anxiety she must have felt reaching her decision. I wonder what his true motivation for doing that was. My first thought was that it was a screw it was to screw with Jack. He's not really got a plaything now. Will's behind bars. Did he feel you know the need to turn his attention to a new toy? Whatever the reason, I'm reminded of the flash forward we saw in the season premiere. I'm sure Hannibal's treatment of Bella will play no small part in Jack's anger. I'm excited for what comes next this season. I don't suspect Hannibal's about to be caught, which means Beverly has to die. I wonder if Jack Jack will be dining on filet mignon a la Beverly next time he eats with Hannibal. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, in terms of your email, here are my thoughts. Um... Well, okay, the first thing is when it comes to the strategy uh, that Will was employing, he has changed up his strategy. He he did opt for exclusive treatment from Chilton, but I don't think it was about making Hannibal jealous. I think it was more about limiting the information that Hannibal had access to. You know, we've seen um, Chilton give information to to Hannibal, which in a way has kept Will from really making the kind of progress in his uh, war against Hannibal because, you know, if Will says, you know, to Beverly or Lana, whoever, about Hannibal being the killer, and Chilton then says to Hannibal that, you know, it sounds like Will's got something out for you, he keeps, uh, you know, saying that you're the killer over and over. It kind of undermines Will's uh, assertions to Hannibal himself that, you know, he doesn't believe that Hannibal's the killer anymore, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it nullifies all that work that he's trying to do. So I think by limiting the information flow to Hannibal, it's only helping Will in the long run. It allows him to plan an attack. It allows him to, you know, strike back against Hannibal without him... Um, already kind of having a, an idea of what's coming. Um, yeah, the 
Crawford and his wife, the scenes were fantastic. I loved every single one of them. You're right. There was a, a closeness. There was a truth there, as I said last week, um, that you just don't get in a lot of shows. A lot of shows, they don't really play it for that kind of brutal honesty and brutal truth. Um, they play it safe, and I didn't get that feeling. And it wasn't about you know, her trying to kill herself. I'm just talking about the scenes together. Um, there was just, I guess, more honesty than I even thought there might be. So, yeah, I really like that as well. Uh, Hannibal's reaction to her decision and to uh, bring her back, I think that the reason that Hannibal is is well, okay, the reason I think he came to this decision is that I don't think that he wants Jack to have a chance to focus on him for any reason. If Bella were to die, Jack would be inconsolable for a period of time, and then I'm sure after a while he would, you know, refocus on his work and there might come a time when that focus might turn on Hannibal for whatever reason. I think it's better to make this process of Bella dying play out longer because as long as this is going on, it, Jack can't be focused. And we've seen that in the last few weeks. It, you could tell he just... It's not even just about Will being in prison um, it's also about what she's going through, and he just can't focus on his work even now. So I think by keeping her alive, it forces Jack to have to put half of his attention on his work and half on Bella. And if you don't have all of your attention on, on your work at the FBI, and thus maybe on Hannibal, you're probably not going to catch him. So that's why I think that he did that. It was a calculated decision. And I also believe, on top of that, that it was a chance for Hannibal to uh, ingratiate himself further, to build up a reservoir of goodwill, as I think I mentioned last week, for, um, for Jack and his relationship with Hannibal. It It just allows... It allows Hannibal to take advantage of this relationship further. And if you can create a friend out of Jack, a real friend, it makes him maybe that much bolder to do what he does and not fear like anything's going to happen to him uh, in the long run. Or Well, I wouldn't say long run, I would say short term. And, uh, yeah, so I don't think it really was about finding a new play thing. I, he's had it out for Jack since the pilot. He's done things, as we saw last season with Miriam Lass and, and, a, and a few other times where it just seems like he's got a knife in Jack's back and he's you know, twisting it ever so slowly, you know. But Jack he doesn't know who's doing it, who's got that knife in his back and who's twisting it. And uh, Hannibal's just making sure that he can't turn his head to see that he's the one 
doing it. And yeah, I think we're now seeing that that fight at the beginning of the season, you know, we just assumed that it was all because, you know, Jack found out that, that Will was right and that, that Hannibal was the killer and that, um, you know, that was, that was what the fight was about. But now we're seeing that it was about, it's about Beverly. It could be about his wife if he finds that out as well. I mean, I think there's going to be more things, more threads that um, kind of tie into the anger that Jack has in that scene. I don't think this is going to be the last time that we see something that is going to play out in that opening scene with his anger. I, I could see other people dying, other things happening uh, because of Hannibal that is just going to, when he walks in, aiming basically to kill Hannibal, uh, by the end of the season, we'll know all the reasons why. So yeah, thank you, uh, Gareth, for that great email. Again, I apologize uh, for not having uh, read it last week, but um, I'm certainly going to be excited for any additional feedback for the next episodes. And if you send it in, <laughs> I, will, I will double check. I will make sure that I read it on the, the current uh, podcast episode. All right, so that is the, the feedback for this week, and I thank everyone for sending it in. If anybody's out there that wants to send any feedback into me, uh, I'll be uh, very grateful uh, and certainly welcome anything. If you want to send in an email or a voicemail, send it to uh, hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. And... Um, also, if you would like to uh, rate the podcast and maybe put in a review on iTunes, that would that would be very much appreciated. It it helps uh, get my podcast have uh, to have more increased presence um, in iTunes, and um, you know that's only a good thing for uh, for me. And I would be extremely appreciative. And if you do uh, leave a review or a rating, um, I will. Uh, mention your name on the podcast and thank you for it. So I'm really excited for for the next episode. I think the season is going fantastic. Um, this is definitely uh, not a sophomore slump as we've seen. The, the episodes have been extremely um, strong so far this year and I only see that continuing, if not getting even better, as Jeannie said earlier. So until uh, the next podcast, episode. I hope everyone out there will be as excited as I am, and I hope you'll all be hungry for more Hannibal very soon. All right, everyone have a good time, good week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.